welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again, everybody. It's great to see you, great to worship with you. I am Father Morgan Reed. I am the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Uh, We are a mission of the Diocese of the Mid-Atlantic. And um, I am just delighted to be here worshiping with you. And and, and I was thinking back over the week. I don't know if, if you guys have been like me in this. Maybe I'm obsessive. But I find that over the last three days, I have been refreshing my phone over and over and over to stay updated on what's happening in Ukraine. And you know, this morning, even as we sit with the joy of the Transfiguration, we do simultaneously mourn with our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine, and, and we want to lift up the country of Ukraine um, in our prayers. And um, so during the prayers of the people, I want to make sure that we have time to uh, lift up Ukraine and the humanitarian crises that are going to arise uh, from this attack. God cares deeply for those who are created in his image. It's a good reminder. And um, so it makes it all the more tragic when narratives are created about other people made in God's image to harm one another. And so we mourn. We want to lift them up in prayer. Let's continue to keep Ukraine in our prayers. God is at work in the crisis. Um, and so we want to pray for that tragedy. We want to pray for people to know God's peace. And we want there to be an end to the war. Uh, and, and that God's will would be done in heaven as it is on earth. Let me pray for us as we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Give me just one second. Did that um, spill? We're good? Okay. Um, So we have been in a series called Nations and Neighborhoods. And uh, this Sunday, as I mentioned before, we are concluding this series on the final day of Epiphany, which is a feast that, that commemorates the transfiguration of Jesus, where the glory of God is shown on the mountaintop in the face of Jesus Christ. And so in this gospel passage today that Father Ryan read for us, the the glory of God is shown on the mountaintop, and then if we were to keep reading, we would find that from the mountaintop, we're quickly going to discover that thereafter the disciples and Jesus are going to go down from the mountain into the dark valleys, where they're going to be casting out demons, um, and they're going to begin Jesus' road to Jerusalem, to the way of the cross. The road to Jerusalem is a long one, it's a complicated one, and before we enter the valley, we begin with the revelation of God at the mountaintop. You're going to notice that on the walls there's something new this week. Um, We have these uh, abstract stations of the cross that were painted by Linda McRae, who's done some of our artwork that we've used on our keynote. Um, She's allowing us to rent those throughout the season of Lent. And so take advantage of the fact that they're here, sit with these paintings throughout the season of Lent, which will begin on Wednesday, 
Uh, we'll put the numbers and the descriptions of them up in the next few weeks. This morning's gospel passage starts at the mountaintop. The glory of God is revealed on the mountain, and the revelation of that glory shows that Jesus is unique. Uh, he's uniquely glorious among the prophets. And, and not only that, he is the chosen and beloved Son of God. So, the prophets and the disciples were called to listen to him. There's a challenge that I find and an encouragement that I find in the transfiguration. First, the challenge. The challenge of following Jesus is that um, there is a commitment that happens to following Jesus, not on the mountaintops only, but as you descend from the mountain into the valleys. We're called to follow him there into the darkness, even if it feels hard. And if it feels hard, you're not necessarily doing anything wrong. You're being reminded that while we do see glimpses of the glory of God in this world, we still walk through valleys as new creation people, living in this tension that we still are in the old world around us. The encouragement that I find in the Transfiguration is that our God is the God of new creation. And what exists now is broken and depressing and traumatic and fallen is eventually going to be made new in the light of God's glorious grace. So we're not a people whose aim is to just do better in life. Instead, we are a people of new creation. We're made new people whose lives and whose loves are being conformed into the newness of God's eternal kingdom. So the wilderness doesn't have to last forever, and the road to the cross ultimately is going to end in resurrection. The destruction on the hill of Golgotha was part of that journey in procuring the glory that we find on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as we think back over the Epiphany season, we began this sermon series with a, a wonderful homily on our Lord's baptism and its relation to the Exodus and the deliverance of the people of God through the nations. Then we continued it by looking at the wedding of, the Cana, of Cana in Galilee, and we um, looked at the death that happened at Keene's Mill, for whom the road is named, that the church is on. And then the next week, the bishop came and he confirmed and he received many of you. Uh, and we looked at the ways that the Holy Spirit's filling is necessary for the work of the church to be a witness to the nations. And then we talked about Jesus, the prophet who was rejected in his own hometown. And we took a look at the Laurel Grove uh, School and Church that are set up by uh, historically African American communities in the Franconia area. We talked about being fishers of men from Jesus. And the life and the example of John Roberts, the, the Quaker scout and sheriff during the Civil War, and his role in the town of Akatink, um, and in what is now the Belvoir area. We looked at what it means to be a church plant in Springfield. And then last week we heard about the ways that God calls us in our unique stories to be missionaries in the places that you and I live. So in many ways, when I think about this last sermon series, Nations and Neighborhoods, what it is during Epiphany is it's like this tapestry of narratives is being woven together to portray this picture of how God brings his glory to bear on the neighborhoods. And that, that glory is inextricably linked with the neighborhoods that you and I have been placed in, with the households that we've been placed in, and with the vocations that we've been placed in. So the passage today is going to end our series in Epiphany, and it calls us into a way of being disciples of Jesus. 
Entering into the way of Jesus is an entry into the life of new creation. The salvation of the nations involves the neighborhoods that we work in, that we live in, that we play in, and that we worship in. And the life of discipleship that um, invites others into Jesus' new creation is a life of discipleship in a new world of grace. It's walking this path of the pilgrimage of peace through all the valleys and the mountains of this life, always looking ahead at the hope of our resurrection. So the Mount of Transfiguration starts with a glimpse of God's glory. But the glory of the mountain is not going to come without the long road that is uh, leading to the hill of Calvary. And on this path of discipleship, we're called to invite others along as you and I are being transformed by His grace. We're called to remember God's glory um, when we're in the face of despair. And then we're called to move at the pace of Jesus. So first we're inviting others to walk into the same transformation that you and I are being transformed in. The passage starts with this mountaintop where Jesus takes Peter uh, and James and John with him to pray. And I find that example really helpful when we think about a paradigm for discipleship. We're not doing this alone. So as we grow in the grace of Jesus, we can invite other people into discipleship as well. So as you think about Lent, are you reading a book um, of the Bible? Or are you reading a book of Christian devotion? Consider inviting somebody else to do that with you and maybe have a discussion. Are you thinking about adopting a practice of daily prayer somewhere? Maybe breaking at noon during your work day to do midday prayer. Consider creating a Zoom link, inviting somebody else to do midday prayer with you over Zoom. Discipleship is not done in isolation. We do it with other people. And one of the things that I've appreciated about our formation group that's been happening on Sunday nights over the last several weeks is that it's given us the opportunity to grow in grace together. Um, I hear the grace of God and the work of Jesus in somebody else's walk of faith, and that often shows me where his grace is present for me too. But I need to hear it from somebody else. And when we open up our lives to other people and we take on that posture of invitation, then others are more likely to experience the grace of God with us. And then we with them. So we hold on to the, the we invite people into that transformation that we're being transformed by. We hold on to the glory of that mountain when we know we're about to enter into the valley. As the disciples go and pray with Jesus, there is a unique and a miraculous sight that they are going to need as they follow Jesus into what is going to be dark days into all that he calls them to. Jesus' appearance was changed before their eyes, and in the passage, we're told that he's just, uh, actually before we read this passage, he's just told the disciples to take up their cross daily, deny themselves, and follow him. And that's what leads up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They need that vision of God's glory, because the question is going to become, was it worth it, following Jesus? When I encounter these things that are so hard, when I risk losing everything, is it worth it? And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a promise of glory that can stand up against the inevitable suffering that's going to come from following faithfully with Jesus. We often discover the goodness and the grace that Jesus offered us in life's valleys, not often at the mountaintops. So in preparation for Lent, I've been rereading a book um, that I'd recommend. It's Eugene Peterson's a long obedience in the same direction. And he talks about the Christian life beginning with disappointment and 
discontentment with the way that things are right now. He says this, A person has to be thoroughly disgusted with the way things are to find the motivation to set out on the Christian way. As long as we think the next election might eliminate crime and establish justice, or another scientific breakthrough might save the environment, or another pay raise might push us over the edge of anxiety into a life of tranquility, we're not likely to risk the arduous uncertainties of the life of faith. A person has to be fed up with the ways of the world before he, before she, acquires an appetite for the world of grace. And we want to be a people who develop an appetite for the world of grace, which I think is a journey from an anxious kind of discontentment into the tranquility and the rest that God provides his people in his new creation. Moses and Elijah and Jesus are speaking with Jesus about his, about his exodus, his departure in English. Um, and his departure was going to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So in this new exodus that's going to happen from Jerusalem, Jesus would lead God's people out of their bondage to sin and to death into this new promised inheritance uh, of redemption. And that exodus that they're talking about, that means of the redemption of God's people, was going to be messy, it was going to be unjust, it was going to be unexpected. Nothing could have prepared them for what that exodus would look like. And if that was going to be true for Jesus, the same would be true for his followers as they followed in the way of Jesus. Jesus gives his disciples then this glimpse of God's glory that could stand up against the despair that they're going to encounter as they follow him in the way of the cross. So, first we invite other people into the transformation that we're experiencing. We hold on to the vision of God's glory uh, as we encounter the despair of this world. And third, we move at the speed of Jesus. In this passage, the disciples, they're tired, is what it says. And, and out of Peter's tiredness, he speaks, which is the worst time to speak. But Peter does. He speaks out of his tiredness. He knows that seeing Moses and Elijah is a sign that the end is coming near. And so he says, we should make three tents. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Um, which the Feast of Booths is sort of a, an end times forward looking type of feast that looks back on God's um, exodus of God's people and his salvation of them through the wilderness. He's looking ahead towards a new exodus. But after he says it, out of heaven a voice speaks. And that voice says, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. So we often want the Jesus of the Mount of Transfiguration. We want the Jesus with his face glorified without having the Jesus on the hill of Golgotha. Yet the redemption that brings us the glory of the mountain comes through the cross that's on the hill. And so when God tells Peter to listen, we learn something about the nature of discipleship. It's to move at the speed of the Son of God. And that speed of the Son of God is often slower than what you and I would want it to be, but it's the way that he brings redemption to the world. And so we follow in the speed of Jesus. Do we listen for the voice of Jesus um, in our circumstances and in the people that we're encountering? Are we intent? Uh, do we have intention? Are we attentive to those things? Uh, it's something that I've been asking a lot this week. Perhaps we wonder why a relationship 
hasn't produced somebody's desire to trust in Jesus yet, or why they don't see their own sin, or why they're not repenting, um, why they keep making the same mistake over and over again despite us telling them it's a mistake. But when God tells the disciples to listen to the Son of God, it's a slow call. It's a call to a type of pilgrimage with Jesus. The results aren't instant. We push away instant gratification to be on pilgrimage with Jesus. And the road to redemption is going to be slower, and it's going to be more arduous than they wanted, but it's this, that slow and arduous journey that is going to bring the salvation of humankind, both in the ministry, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, as given through the testimony of the apostles. So the transfiguration speaks of God's ability to restore the things that are broken in creation, to make them new with the glory of God. And that glory involves the journey to the cross in the hope of the resurrection. So the disciples are being called into that journey, and then you and I are also called into a journey of walking in that pilgrimage with Jesus. So when we did a prayer walk last week, um, I loved hearing the things that you all noticed as we prayed for the neighborhoods around the church. Um, And it gave me a good type of the things that I should be doing more regularly. Do we pass through our neighborhoods uncritically? Do we drive past them quickly? Or do we ever just slow down and walk through them and pray for them? We want to have a neighborhood or a city flock to the church all at once. Come in the doors, right? Open the doors, let everybody come in. But that doesn't seem to often be the way of Jesus. It's slower. So we need to move at the speed of Jesus. We need to slow down. We need to listen to him. His glory is going to be revealed. But when his glory is revealed, it's not often in the masses. It's in the transformation of one person or one household or one story at a time. The transfigured glory of humanity only comes through the cross of Calvary. And the glory of the mountain is secured by the very things that happen on the hill of Golgotha. And so part of all of us being missionaries, as Deacon Steve had mentioned uh, last week, is that we are all walking with Jesus on this pilgrimage towards the glory of the resurrection in a new world of grace. And we often discover in that grace as we walk with him in the valleys and then we invite others to walk with us uh, as we look ahead in the hope of the resurrection the salvation of God is being given to the nations. Um, and it's lived out by you and I, in the neighborhoods that you and I are a part of, that God's placed us in. So we're called to follow him, and we're called to bring others on pilgrimage with us. We're called to be reminded of the glory that we find in Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration as we encounter the darkness of the valleys. And we're called to slow down, because that's God's chosen son. We're called to listen to him and move at the speed of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.